Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Happy Sunday. Um, I am your host, Robert Brining, and tonight I'm joined by my special co-host, um, Dab Griner. Dab, welcome. Oh, thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Glad to be aboard, and always glad to help out. think it's a great thing you're doing with Pause I Am Radio. I, I think this is like your week. You were here with me on Wednesday co-hosting because Jack had Fashion Week, and then tonight uh, Jeremy is away. Actually, he's probably home by now, but he um, was probably run down. His anniversary was this weekend. I believe it was Friday, him and Mark, and they went oh. away, I guess, for the weekend. Well, congratulations to both of them. Yeah, I hope they had really a great really weekend. Cool. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, can't wait to rag them out. now. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but I appreciate it, and um, for people who don't know who Dab is, Dab runs uh, Dab Theater. Bear Project, and you can find that at org. .com. I always want to say .org. Every time I try to go to your website, I do .org. I don't know why, but it's .com, well, but and you can actually listen to people who are um, on the radio show page. You can listen to Dab's original interview when he first came on the radio show. Right below, I have it as a featured episode as well, so they can get like three episodes of you right there. <laughs> oh, jeez, every day so dab dab. <laughs> <laughs> you can never have too much. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That that's wonderful. Um, you you've been great to our organization. Um, actually, I I didn't know anything about setting up a website when I set this one up, so that's why it's dot com instead of I would have set it up as dot org. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um it's you know it, it's it's tough in the beginning building your website but you learn so much and look how far you came now right well yes i mean we started that website almost seven years ago um when the adap waiting list started and i basically had never made anything except a little aol profile in the early days of the internet so it, it, it was a huge learning curve well, this evening we have a special guest on. His name is Michael Moniz, and he is a life coach, and he um, is going to come on and talk about life coaching people with HIV and certain things that he does. But just so I can read his bio to you, um, Michael Moniz has over six years in the field of coaching, and Michael holds a master's degree in the field of communication from Rollins College. He realized the needs for support in the gay and lesbian community and opened his own personal coaching practice soon after. He works with various clients from the gay and lesbian community. He hosts groups um, for support to recently diagnosed individuals living with HIV, helping HIV-positive people move from merely just surviving to thriving in their lives with health, love, relationships, goals, and adventures. Michael's life coaching practice is all about living life out loud, and that's actually the name, I believe, of his blog, yes, Living Life Out Loud. His energetic and dynamic personality helps clients take action in their lives and make their dreams into reality. 
Michael is an avid blogger, and if you read his blog, they're very off the wall, very different, you know, um, and, and they had the funniest titles, um, I think. One of them is I'm Losing My Hair. You know, just different things like that. And, and it's really cool. It's, like, it, it just, it's really funny because it's, it's totally off the wall, but you always get a message from it. Um, well, that's articles. Actually, that's actually one that caught my attention because, as you know, <laughs> I, um, at my age, I do have a bald spot. So, yes, it, it, it's not only very entertaining because after I received your links today, I went and read some of his blogs and articles. They're very well written and they're very thought well thought out, but they keep you entertained at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And he um he writes um hold on let me I lost it here uh, bi monthly articles for Planet Out, and he actually wrote this article um, that I included in the newsletter um, for, from Paz I Am last month, and it was uh, from Surviving with HIV to Thriving with HIV. And he actually mentioned Paz I Am as one of the social networks that, you know, was his favorite and that he recommends. And, you know, and it just touched me because I don't know how me and Michael crossed paths on Facebook. Somehow we did. And I actually, maybe he'll know. So when he calls in, I'm going to ask him. But I think that is, um, I like to find out how we crossed paths because he, he mentioned, you know, my site in it. And I was just like honored. I was like blown away because I, I didn't even know where, like it was coming out of left field. So I like to figure that out too. Well, Facebook can be wonderful that way. I, I've reunited with people from high school and our 30th year reunions coming up. I hadn't heard from most of them because I've lived on opposite sides of the country and HIV and AIDS activists that I've reunited with through Facebook. Um, so it can be a great tool and compliments to sites like your Pause I Am community. That's funny because one of the posts, just to give an example of how, how – cool his, his posts are is so, I forget exactly what the title is I don't have it in front of me but it was something about our Facebook friends really friends and um, I thought it was very an interesting post because you know they call them your friends and all that I'm sure you know he'll come on and talk about it but let's uh, welcome Michael Moniz to the show Michael welcome to Paz I Am Radio uh, thank you thank you great to be here welcome Michael thank you so how are you this evening I'm doing really good. I I hear your discussion about the the Facebook friends, which started a, a huge riot there for yeah. a while. <laughs> so, um, but before we bring you on, thank you for coming on the show and taking time out of your schedule. I'm sure you're super busy, or you know, could be doing something else. So, we I appreciate you taking the time out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's it's great to be here. Now, do you remember how we crossed paths on Facebook? Do I remember particularly? No, I don't. Do you, it's, it's I, kind of, you do. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook does that to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. So you've been life coaching for six years. Yes. And now is it something that you always wanted to do? or like, How did you get involved with wanting to be a life coach? Well, and I had to, and I'll, I'll tell you the story. And I, had, I actually called him, my first client who got me into life coaching, I called him today to ask if I could share his story um, because I've always shared part of the story to people, but I wanted to get permission six years later, to, to, especially with, um, with you guys, to share the full story. I had worked, my whole career was in organizational development and training. I had worked in organizations helping leaders to develop leader and leadership. And part of that would be coaching. We would do, back then they called it counseling. 
we work one on one with coaches and disciplinary action. And as time went on, it became the re- realization that we didn't have to work with people just because they were punished, that we could be proactive and help people just be better at leadership, you know, and support them through the process. So I was working with an organization, and I, I had a really good time working there. And I had clients, and of course, you know, I worked with people helping them develop leadership. And I had a client one day. He came to me and he said, hey, he's like, I would love to work with you, but I want to work with you, like, in your private practice. Like, I want to hire you outside of the company. And I'm like, well, the company, you know, pays for it. It's free. So why would you take, not take that opportunity? And he says, well, I want to talk about everything. And I said, well, there is no such thing as not talking about everything. I'm, you know, I'm an open book. I love my clients to be open book. You don't have to worry that the company's paying for it. You don't have to worry. Why would you? Because I don't even have a practice, a private practice. And he said, Michael, and he just looked at me. And he got up from his desk and he closed his door and he sat back down on his desk. And he says, Michael, I want to work with you because I'm gay. And I don't want the company to be any way attached to this because there are, there's nothing to protect me. They could fire me, you know, based on this. And that just shocked me. You know, like I, I just, and maybe it was just me being naive, but I was like, I never thought people would ever think that way. And so mm-hmm. Anelia said, okay, well, I'll take you on, you know, outside of here. And so I worked with him um, for quite a few weeks. And when I went to work with him, and we, we, we processed everything as we normally did, in coaching, and I helped in leadership and career, and then we, we, it all kind of balances all your life as part of everything you do. We got into things, and then he, you know, said to me that he was recently diagnosed HIV positive, and that was his other reason for wanting to still talk to me privately, and not, even though I didn't keep notes and there was confidentiality in the business, he really wanted his life to be so private because he was worried about consequences that would come about that, and it was that moment in time that the politics of corporate world and all the different things I dealt with in that area, I realized, I, yeah, I was making a difference. I probably was developing great leaders in some way. So they, they did that themselves. But I could really make a difference by working with, you know, the gay and lesbian community. And so I, I left, you know. I left the world and went into, you know, the corporate world and went into my own private practice of life coaching and had to look back because it's been such a big, rewarding experience to work with people and helping them, um, you know, feel better in life and feel more comfortable with things. Right, and it's important. I mean, for me, I know when I was going and I had to go to um, uh, family services and different things like that, when I went down and I was first diagnosed, they tried to set me up with a counselor, and and they set me up with, I mean, it wasn't a bad thing, but they set me up with, with a straight man. And and when I would explain stuff to him, you know, and talk about my relationship, I was very uncomfortable because he couldn't relate to me at all. Right. And yeah, I feel absolutely. like that, that having that somebody who knows where you're coming from and has been there, you know, it has to be a little bit of a burden lifting off the shoulders that knowing that they're talking to somebody who went through the situation. No, absolutely. I understand. There's no judgment there. It makes a big difference for a lot of, you know, People always say to me, I, I work with a counselor here in the area who always refers people to me, especially newly diagnosed people. And why is because it's, you need someone to talk to. You, you do, that is a great resource. But there's a big difference between coaching and counseling. And what we always say is counseling works on looking at your present and seeing what's not working for you 
and going back to your past to heal those wounds to make your present better. And coaches work with people who's, who have a present situation and want to work on their future, on moving them and making their present better as well as their future. And my friend always tells me, she's like, the reason I send people to you is because I don't know why, but even still now, we look at people who are diagnosed with HIV, and our response to them is that they're mentally unstable, and that's not the case. They're healthy individuals mentally, and so they, they don't necessarily need a counselor. There's not a lot of past that they need to deal with, but more of the present and moving them forward, and that's what coaching is all about, is partnering with people to help them taking the here and now and helping them to move forward um, and get the, and move on with their life the way that they want it to be. Well, and just hearing you speak and hearing the passion in your voice, I can understand why that person wants to send those clients to you because it's so important when people first find out to have that special connection with, with someone that's passionate about helping them. We have, unfortunately, so many ASOs and different organizations are supposedly helping our community when, I'm sorry, some of them are just there taking up space and air and getting a paycheck. I, I don't see them doing what they should be to helping, especially newly diagnosed individuals. No, absolutely. The, the support isn't there like a lot of people have expected it to be. And I think that there are a lot of different individuals and organizations who are coming up now who are being there to support people. But unfortunately, where they're usually pushed to or where they're normally um, recommended to go necessarily isn't what they expect or helps them as much. So, When you're sitting with these individuals or, the, you know, these people that are newly diagnosed and they come to you, what is the one thing that they, you know, what is the one thing that usually all of them have? they want to talk to you about right away? Is there, like, one topic or one thing are they worried about, like, disclosure or telling their parents or? Absolutely. And I'll and tell you the funny, I'll start with this part because this is one that comes up a lot. When you coach people, I do coach people in person, but a lot of my clients are not in the local area I live in, so we do coaching over the phone. It's very common. And it's a good part about that because of the, um, you don't have to necessarily sit across from me and look at me. Um, you can if you live in the local area. But a lot of people, that's the first reaction a lot of these um, clients will say to me is, I love the fact that I can work with you and I know you're there. And there's, and there's avenues where they, they want to see me. They can use Skype or whatnot. But a lot of them in the very beginning, they like the fact that they don't have to sit face-to-face -face with me, that they're actually getting their support, but at the same time they can still kind of deal with what they're going through. Um, because I get, you know, clients who cry and they're embarrassed about that and all those different things, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about all that stuff. But the first thing that everyone says to me, and it's, the, and it's something that we face, I think a lot of people face in their lives, and that is, it's that whole perspective of I'm dying. That is the first thing that they, they're, that they're, that's the reality that they live in. That's the perspective they live in, is I'm dying. And I, I hate to break the news to them, but they were dying before they were diagnosed. We were all dying. The day we are born, we are dying. We all have right. a limited time that's here. And it doesn't make a difference. And unfortunately, we know that people are thriving who are HIV positive. But remember, if you don't watch where you're walking, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. It's, this, has, this, has, this is not what we want to be dwelling on and looking at. 
And it's because they, they take on that perspective. That's the immediate first reaction. And it's helping them to look at, look at the reality of life in general. And it, because we get what we call scoped, perspective scoped. You're, you're, this is the information that you just received, and so now you're focused so much on it, not looking at the bigger picture of things, not realizing the other sides of things. I always say with my clients, the what ifs will kill you. The what ifs will kill you. It is so quick and easy for us to think negatively about something. But in the same chance, the opposite could happen in the positive light as well. And we don't dwell on that. We dwell on the other. And so it's really helping them to to accept what they, the information that they've received, to now move them forward and to make, help them make choices and decisions that help them to continue on with their lives. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a moment in everyone's life. We have tons of these moments throughout our life. They will not stop. There are moments in time in our life where life almost stops for a moment, when we lose a loved one, when we don't get the job that we wanted, when a relationship ends. There, even when a relationship begins, these are all these moments where life almost stops for us and we're just focused so clearly on what's going on, but we can't stay there. We have to then open our eyes again and move forward and create the life that we're looking to have. And so that's the first thing that's a lot of support that I do with my clients is helping them to, to be able to, to finally be comfortable with their diagnosis and be ready now to accept and move forward. And it, it takes a process. That's the first process. And then moving forward is a whole different process because now we, have, now we have to start looking clear at things and find out, you know, where they are and what they're looking at. And then I'm, I'm, I'm referring people to, I'm going to post it in the chat room. Um, if you're listening, just to give people a heads up, if you're listening and you're not on the radio show page in the chat room, you can join us live in the chat room and talk with other people who are um, listening live at www.blogtalkradio.com. I'm also going to put a link to your Thriving with HIV because that's kind of um, what we're touching on right now um, in the chat room for people to check it out. Because um, one of the other things that you mentioned in the article that a lot of people ask you about is love. Are they ever going to find love again? Is, is, that's kind of like a, an everyday thing that you get from people too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because see, that's the next part. Let's move on with our lives. And so when we immediately start looking at, we, move, we start putting the plan into place and moving on with our lives, we're faced with the fact that it's, um, no one's going to ever want me, you know. No one's ever going to love me. No one's going to ever understand. You know, we, we, we go into those places um, that just is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that's where people go. But the reality is, of course, you will love again. I mean, that is just, life is all full of love. And we, and we just want to create that and put that out, you know, and be able to move forward with that. But it's true because, you know, I think when you, it's that a feeling of being alone. And that's why I think support is so important for people who are newly diagnosed is you feel alone and afraid and you're, you're afraid to talk to people and you're afraid to tell people and, you're, and you have all these fears. And once you have that self-doubt and those insecurities and fear, it just feeds itself. And so then it keeps growing everywhere in your life. And so it, it's very common, you know, will I ever find love again? Of course you will. And we can work together to figure out how are you going to have those conversations with people? Where are you going to find people that you're looking for? And what's funny is a lot of times people are able through coaching to find people that they've never found before because 
they didn't really know what they were looking for before. And now in coaching, we look more clear at what, what is the person you're looking for? Who is the person that would complete? And I shouldn't say complete your life, but will be the icing in your life, um, the people who will, you know, be a good match for you. And, you know, and it's fascinating. We get that opportunity now to really help you find the person that you really have been working with. You know, and that happens. I mean, let's, I, tons of clients come to me for that, um, who are you know who are just you know in the gay community looking for love. I think it's a a common thing that a lot of people in life we just want. You know, we we happen to live in a world, unfortunately, that really likes us to couple off, and so we naturally look for that. We look for a partner, best friend, um, somebody that we can be with in that sense. And it's helping people get comfortable with themselves first, because you have to be complete with yourself. And then you're able to meet somebody and know exactly what you're looking for. And then that way, it kind of works out as a, a good dynamic. Oh, I have a uh, question but, here from in the chat room. Sorry, Dad, I didn't mean to cut you off. But um, someone in the chat room by the name of Muscle Mechanic says you need to discuss the difference between being alone and being lonely. <laughs> yes, <Ooh>. absolutely. <laughs> There's a big difference between that. And that's something that people are really shocked about. And I, I, I did a seminar on that, and I, I've talked about that many times. Is there's a, people always they have this sense of I'm alone. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I'm lonely. I, you know, I need someone in my life. And blah 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 blah. And that's where the metaphor, the icing, comes from. Is I tell people, you know, you're a cake, and it's like when you when you get a cake, and it, it's a really good cake. It would be better with some icing, you know, but it doesn't mean that the cake isn't good. You know, it's just the icing to add something to it. And that's what a partner is. A partner is the icing. But if the cake is missing sugar or it's not cooked or it's not well done, then you're not complete and the icing isn't going to make up for it. It's still going to be a gross dessert. And what that really comes down to is that principle <laughs> is you're lonely. You know, we do this. We're lonely. I don't have anybody. That's not you have to like yourself first. You have to have fun within yourself. And if you're not going to do that, you're not going to be able to, to meet someone and be able to really meet someone in a healthy way and to really build a relationship. So there's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. And when you're lonely, you're needing or wanting um, somebody to complete you, which will not happen. When you are alone, you're comfortable with yourself. You just happen to not be with a partner at the time. You're complete. You're confident in yourself. And you will meet somebody, and you and they do meet. And if you are alone, you probably have met people, and probably ended the relationships because they weren't what you wanted, because you weren't afraid of being alone. You were comfortable with that, and understanding that that's how life, you know, that's life, um, that we are individuals. But at the same time, it, you know, we seek we seek love in that sense. But as you know, this is very life coaching for me to say, but you know, you gotta love yourself first. You just do. And what happens is we think we do, but we really like ourselves. But we have to learn to love ourselves first. And that's when you realize you can be comfortable with being alone and finding someone who really is a great partner for you than just being with somebody because you think they complete you or or avoid the loneliness. Which kind of um, reminds me and wants wants, uh, to move to the next article that we were going to talk about was the one that you wrote um, about creating your own voice and stop trying to fit in, which I think is is something that obviously somebody who is HIV positive and is getting diagnosed is going to realize that now they have to find another way to fit in. You know what I mean? Because whether 
there's always something that you don't fit in with, whether it's in school or high school or something like that. You know, but if you're a gay male, you know, and you had to go through the whole process of trying to fit in being, you know, a, a gay person and, and, and how to adjust to the people in your family, and then now to throw HIV on top of it, um, it, it kind of puts a twist on it, and it's a tough thing to do. What would you suggest for somebody to, who, who always constantly tries to fit in? Um, I think it's a, it, you have to listen to yourself. I think that's the big thing. And we, get, we don't listen to ourselves. We listen, our, we're influenced by everything else. We're influenced by what our parents want, what our friends want, um, what media tells us, what society tells us, what culture tells us, all these different things. And so we want to find that voice inside of ourselves that tells us what we want and who we want to be. And it's so, and there's two extremes. And, I, and I'm going to use the example of um, when people are coming out, because I can show you that extreme really easily, is you'll get people who when they newly come out or they're just accepting that they are gay. They'll say things like, um, yeah, but I don't like rainbow flags. You know, I'm not into the scene. You know, I, I'm withdrawn from that. You know, I'm not like, I'm not the other gay guy, okay? So you have that one extreme, which is to separate yourself from being gay. Well, I hate to tell you this. If you like other men and you have sex with other men, you're no different than the other gay guy. That's really what it means to be gay. But then there's all the other <laughs> things that take place. Those are just people's choices. That has nothing else to do with anything else. Then there's the other extreme. People come out, so the, you know, they come out, and they, you know, I'm gay, and then they do. They wear the rainbow flag, and they're in all the parades, and they aren't the only thing because they have to prove how gay they are. And it's the same thing. It's, we have to look and say, okay, how is this working for you? Is this the life you really want? Are you doing this to prove yourself to others, or are you doing this because it makes you feel good? And so that's what we're looking for. And when, you're, when, when you are facing your life and trying to find your voice, especially when you've been diagnosed HIV positive, it's realizing where do you, it's Amelia's reaction is where do I fit in? Well, I hate to tell you, you don't fit in. You don't. Because you are you. And I'm me. And we're all different. And it's not about fitting in. It's about living your life. And when you live your life authentically to who you are as a person, you will find people who get you, who understand you. And you don't have to prove yourself to people because people accept you for who you are because you accept them for who they are. And they really just get you better results all around. You know, instead of doing, and think how many times we've done silly things in our lives. So, and we always will make choices where we do something to really impress other people or make our ego feel good or all the different things that happen. But ultimately, we have to live with the consequences of that. And so I think it's really important to find the authentic voice, to realize it's okay not to fit in, that you are different. That's what makes you unique. And that's what makes people love you. That's really what makes the difference. Is because to find authentic people is very rare, and we know that. But that's also why we're attracted to certain people, and celebrities particularly, is because a lot of times they happen to be who they are and they don't care. And all of a sudden we like that because that's attracted to us, because we want to be authentic and real and just be who we are. And so it just, it, it helps to find your voice and to just feel comfortable with who you are. And that's a process. It doesn't, you know, it, it's a process. And I think it's a hard process, um, especially being gay. And then, uh, and being recently diagnosed would also throw in another factor into that. Because, especially in the United States, our, being gay is not accepted. It just, it, it, we're getting better and it's coming long ways. It's still not fully accepted. And so you are still fighting that a little bit. You're still, you know, 
being part of that and having to face that, what society says and the culture and stuff. Um, I have a question for you because I was reading your article that was in Planet L called Thriving with HIV. Now, I'm one of the old guys from the HIV community. I've been positive 28 years. But for newly diagnosed people, I know this can be a very hard subject, and I really liked what you had to write and plan it out about disclosure, if you wouldn't mind speaking about that a little bit. About disclosure? About Right. Yeah, it, it is, it's a, it's a fun topic, obviously. And it's the reality that, and I, it is your choice. First, it's your choice, who you tell, who you don't tell, how you tell people, explaining yourself, being honest with how you go. And if I remember correctly, in the article I wrote about um, the fact that this disclosure and this you telling people, it's not about them. It's about you. And what happens so often is it, with the coming out process and this disclosure is when we go to tell people, we prepare for how they're going to react, what they're going to say, how we're going to calm them down, how we're going to, how they're going to not talk to us anymore, or or how they're going to, you know, be upset with us, or how they're going to be, mad. and we forget that again we're living our lives for other people, not for us. This has nothing to do with them. It has to do with us. It's us that found out this information, and it's us that's going to share this with an individual. And so we are sharing part of who we are, and it is about you. And so it's okay to remember that. And, to, and that should take away, hopefully, help you feel more confident when you have these conversations with people and to help them feel, to, to know that you are sharing something about yourself. You are opening up to your friends and family and telling them something about who you are. And, you know, it, it, people will make their decisions um, on how they want to react to it. That's their choice. But that's not something that you need to be prepared for. This is you opening up to people and allowing people to know more about you. And it's, you know, as we know, these aren't the easiest of conversations to have. And you need to spend the time focusing on you and not on other individuals and how they're going to react. It is not your job. It is not your job to help people deal with their own emotional baggage or their own reactions. You just are you, and you need to share your information. Well, and I, and I have to agree with you from years of experience. I I, I guess for HIV, it just taught me that I'd rather be loved for me or hated uh, for who I am than something I'm not. And if something like HIV was going to cause someone not to be a friend, then I was better off without them anyway. Yeah, why would you want that around you? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They do you a favor. That's what I always say. Is that they did, they're doing you a favor by walking away from you because they made a decision. You know, and it made it easier because it's probably a decision you were going to have to make anyway. And instead, they made it for you. And it's good because it opens you up to meet people who do want to be your friends and who will be a positive influence in your life and that you will enjoy having around. I mean, people show you who they are, um, and you just have to pay attention to it and make those. And we don't necessarily make those tough choices. But, I mean, think about how many people are out there in the world. There's so many people out there. Um, there's, don't ever fear, and I, that's a big, and I, it's easy for me to say, but don't fear being alone in that sense because, trust me, there are so many people out there that will accept you for who you are and, and love you for who you are, and that's what you want. 
it will make things so much easier for you. Yeah, I think that, like, that um, first initial hump getting over um, of finally, like, loving yourself first, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, that hump is, like, I know it, it took me a long time because when I always thought about my diagnosis and, and disclosing to people, I never thought that it had anything to do with me. I always thought that it was everyone else. And it's interesting that, you know, after reading your article about coming out and things like that, that it kind of reminded me that, yeah, you know, the whole process was really about me because now that I'm okay with me, I don't care who knows. Exactly. Exactly. We were living for others, and that's what the whole problem is. And we had to realize, no, it's us. It's about us. And when we do accept it and we realize it's who we are, then other people are accepting of it too. You know, when you, it's the same thing as asking for feedback. When you come out trying to prepare for their responses, you are allowing them to respond and react and for you to, to then react back and all that stuff. But see, when you are comfortable with it yourself and you realize it's about you, you don't ask for feedback because there is no feedback needed. I mean, like, you're sharing something. It's a true fact. You're sharing something with them, and you want them to know. It's about you. They should be asking what they can do for you and how they can support you, um, not making it about them. I just want to remind our listeners real quick that you can call in and um, if you have questions about anything, you can call in and talk to us. Or you could even call in if maybe, you know, for every, we don't know, Michael, somebody could be sitting out there listening and they could, you know, uh, you could be coaching them and they may want to share their experience with, with having you as a coach and how much you help them. So if you want to call in, you can at 347-215-9442 or you can even ask a question in the chat room. Um, so tell us a little bit more about this group. The group that you said you do is for newly diagnosed people, um, and, and you, ju you just started this, right? It's something fresh? Well, yeah. What I did was, um, it, and the, the story was this. I, was in, I, I work with clients individually, and that's how I've always done my practice. And uh, a local, a guy in the community came to me one day, and he said, Michael, um, and I knew him through different relationships. He came to me and said, Michael, I know a few friends of mine, we, we all were just recently diagnosed HIV positive, and he goes, and we're trying to move forward with this, and he says, and I know I'm, you're being, I'm, I was, he was coaching with me, and he says, I want to pay to have all my friends get coaching and blah, 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 and I was like, you, you know, you're very sweet about this, but, you know, they, are they wanting to do this? I'm checking with them because I don't want, you know, it needs to be a comfortable relationship. He says, yeah, they're really excited, and I said, well, it's your friends. What if we work together? What if as a group, I worked with you as a group for a period of time, and we'll just move you forward? And they were like, okay. So I met with them, and I did this group coaching with them, and it went great. And, you know, we worked together for about three months. And after the three months, they, I received phone calls from a bunch of individuals saying, when are you going to do the group again? When are you going to do the group again? And I was like, you know, and I, I was taking them on individually, and I was, so I had my individual clients. I said, well, I do individual clients, but I, I did the group for a friend, but if we get enough people together, I'll do another group. And so they did. From the, the first group, so many people were referred. So we did another group where I worked with them for a couple of months. And then I got more phone calls um, after that about, okay, we need to do another group, and I'm not in the area, and how are we going to do a group? And, of course, I lead. You know, I do coaching over the phone. So I said, you know, we can do this as a group. Through a you know through a telecourse line, and we can just work together that way if that would be easier for you guys. And so I just did my first virtual group, 
And it was really about helping helping in, in this group of guys who were recently diagnosed with HIV, working them through the process of helping them find acceptance and moving forward with their lives and being able to connect with each other and support each other, which is really what I wanted. Um, was because coaching is not about, I don't want my clients to coach. I mean, if they want to, they can stay with me for years. But that's not my goal. My goal is we work together to get you where you need to be, and then you work the plan, and you're good to go. I'm always here. I mean, I'm always here if you ever need me again. But you should be able to move on. That's My goal isn't to work with you forever. And so I like to have them connect with each other. So it was great, and it worked out really, really well. And so it was the, you know, the first time I'd ever did something virtual like that where I was able to work with a group of people. And it was fun to hear their connections and the energy of bringing a group together and just the dynamics of it. And it's fun. A lot of people don't want the group aspect. They rather the one-on-one with me, and they rather they just feel comfortable so they can talk about everything. But some people, um, naturally I'm one of those people, I like groups. And I had never thought I would be able to do something like that virtually. And I was all, you know, and so when it came up, I was really nervous about it. But they worked out great. And the group, you know, we finished up, and they are continuing to keep in contact with each other. And actually, they just did something. They want me to, to come with them once a month just to touch base with them and lead them through some stuff. But they're doing their, you know, their thing together now, and they have good connections and friendships. And um, I live in Orlando, Florida, and they're going to do, they're supposed to do a, a group reunion that they're going to come here. And when they do, they, they wanted to know if I would, you know, meet with them, of course. And, of course, I would. I can't wait to see them in person and, you know, be able to spend time with them. But it's just good to hear that, you know, to hear, as you always hear about, unfortunately, we always hear about the gay community being so rude and cliquish and all that stuff. And, you know, that's a fact in any community. But it was great to work with individuals who being able to get together people who really did want to make a difference and support each other. And, you know, they were. it was great. It was fun to be there and just, I really cherish that time with them, and I'm glad they're they're all doing so great and moving forward. How important do you think it is that somebody who is newly diagnosed should uh, should have other people around them that are also HIV positive? Do you think that that's something that is very important that they have a support of other people who are positive, or do you think it's kind of individual? Do I think it's individual? I think I would never force anything on anyone. I think everyone right. makes their own choices. But from what I've seen, I think I think it's a good it's a good idea to at least have someone. Absolutely. Why would you not want someone? Because it's just a good benefit in your life to have someone who just knows where you're coming from. I think some days you just need that, and I think you should have that. I think that's the greatest thing. Um, is always have someone you can connect with in any different ways in your life. I mean, we do that with our friends naturally. So I think it, you shouldn't shy away from that. And I understand some people are like, well, I don't want, I'm like, I don't want to be picky about my friends, and it's all about status. And it's not. It's about the fact that you can have tons of friends. It's totally okay, um, you know. But it's about the fact that if you just had someone, you know that you could just talk to and have that support. I think that's, you know, a great thing. I mean, the community you set up here is just great. It's that same thing is you shouldn't have to feel alone. Just because you're not in a city or a town where any of us are located doesn't mean that we can't reach you. I mean, you were just talking about Facebook. You hear I coach people over the phone. We are, we're, the world has opened up for us. And there is, just because we're not in the same room 
doesn't mean that we can't connect or we can't build a relationship, that we can't just be friends or have those connections. And I think we all need to reach out for that. We miss, I think we miss those opportunities is what I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think social networks have really helped a lot of people who have, may have felt isolated. You know what I mean? Definitely connect with people and 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 reach out and, and find support within the internet. I think it's a wonderful thing. And without it, you know, we wouldn't be here today doing radio shows. So no, I think it's always a good a good thing for that. One of the other questions um, that somebody actually emailed me um, because they are going through a situation where they just lost their partner to. Yeah. Um, HIV or AIDS, and, um, you know, he is also HIV positive, and he's kind of going through that. I wanted to know, you know, what advice do you give to somebody who comes to you and maybe just lost somebody who's really, really close to them? Yeah, the, the, the grieving process is a whole different, obviously, a whole different process, especially someone who was your partner. Um, there's a whole process that you have to go through to really mm-hmm. move forward in that situation. I think You'll hear a lot of people say this, and I, I truly mean this, and I don't want anyone, I mean, I think this is so important. One thing I always tell people who are going through this grieving process is, again, grieving can be very private, and that's understandable, but you have to have someone you trust. I don't care who it is, a family member or a friend, who you truly trust, who can be your support, who's the person that keeps you in reality. You can't lose contact with everybody. Have someone that, you know, everyone will understand. But have someone you can trust and someone who can help you. And it's, and it's not help you through it. It's just somebody who maybe checking to make sure the bills are paid. Maybe it's someone who just, you know, you call every Tuesday. I don't care what it is. It's just someone that's a connection for you. That's the first thing. The second thing I always tell people is the grieving process is personal to all of us. There is a process. When I coach people through the process, there is steps we take. But the reality is, Everyone, especially in the grieving process, everyone takes their own time. Everybody. And so when people say to me, when will this be over, um, I hate to tell you, anyone who's grieving, I will tell you the grieving process will end. And what happens is the grieving process shifts to what it becomes. And the grieving process is in the very beginning, and it's very emotional. It will always be emotional, but it shifts from grieving to missing. And as anyone knows who's lost a loved one, when you get through the grieving process, life really does change for you and you're able to move forward and that's, you know, we're able to really do stuff. But you're always going to miss them. And that's what's great about love is that we always have that and that we need to be comfortable with that because people think that at the end of grieving it's all over and it's not. It's just the continuing to a new process. And the grieving process is your step. So take your time. Don't allow people to tell you suck it up and move on. I hate when people say that people grieving. Um, it's, yeah. It is a process, and you can really, really um, get through it on your own. It takes the time. But that's why you need that person you trust, because that person who you trust will help you, support you, and at the same time keep you um, in what I like to call the healthy state of grieving. Because, again, if you, were, you can't just go to your bedroom and hide for a month. It's just impossible, and that's not healthy for you. But if you have that connection with somebody... It, it allows you, it'll help that process so much easier. But take your time. Take your time. And there's not a, there's just not a, there's not an easy answer. I, I have no kids. And growing up, I was a baby in my family, so I didn't, we didn't have kids, you know, so there weren't no babies around. 
And the first baby I ever had in my life was my niece. And so growing up, I was probably like, I don't know, maybe 16 when she was born, 15. And so growing up, she was the first kid I ever dealt with, and I was very, very close to her. And we spent a lot of time together over the years. And when she was eight years old, unfortunately, um, she, she was murdered. And it was very sudden, very tragic, and none of us expected it. And I, lost, you know, and I lost my niece, who I was so close to. And, this, and that was the situation was, you know, the whole family had to face this. And everyone kept saying, you know, suck it up, you know, move on. And, you know, I'm the trooper for moving on, but it was a process for us, and it took a long time. And that's what I really, you know, that's the biggest thing I've seen with that is to realize that it is a process for each of us, and everyone in my family dealt with it differently. We all went through it differently. But the one thing that really helped was the support of each other, you know, and having that, and having that connection um, to, not, to not allow ourselves to go to unhealthy states, to stay in a moment where we were just grieving, we were just going through the grieving process, and that really helped us to move right. on. And Michael, well, that's funny because I used to be one of those people who would, um, <clears throat> who would tell, who would tell people like, oh, you know, you know, it's been long enough. Aren't you done grieving yet? You know what I mean? I was always one of those people, but I never lost somebody who was close to me before. And then when I lost my dad, you know what I mean? It kind of all sunk in because I really was like grieving forever because I didn't have that deep connection. And it was so weird because we're talking about grieving, and I just watched this Dr. Phil this weekend. There was this lady who was grieving over her son, you know, because they were in Philadelphia, so I had to watch. And they were grieving over her son who, you know, who was killed in Iraq. And she's kept saying that I feel like if I don't grieve or continue to grieve, I'm going to forget about him. Well, yeah, I'm very glad I forgot about him. That's what I was just going to bring up, Robert, is, is you never forget about them. I mean, mm-hmm. this month, the 20th anniversary of my goddaughter passing away and the 20th year of my um, second partner passing away from AIDS 20 years ago. And, and you never forget the person, but, but you do go through the process. It just depends how long it takes you to go through each stage. Absolutely. Well, and just to let everyone know, one of the processes of grieving when you, not right away, and some people do it right away, but it's, it's a process. One of the things that everyone, it's a very healthy thing to do in grieving is letting go of the physical things that you mm-hmm. still have of theirs. And that's something that people really have a hard time with. It's the same thing. If I don't have their clothes or I don't have their belongings, I'm going to forget them. I'm going to lose them. But the reason why we do move those on is, one, you need to move on with your life. And two, they're just things. They're just things. And they're in your heart. That's where they are. And that's not going anywhere. And when you realize that, it brings such comfort to you because you will never forget them. You won't. And you're not offending them or upset. I mean, I I think every one of us can say this right now. And and that's what you have to think of. Go back to your perspective. If you, unfortunately, passed away today, I wouldn't want my family to grieve for me forever. I would want them to move on with their life. But, see, we don't think about that when we lose someone because we think that we don't know what they think and they're not here. But nobody would want us to do that. Nobody. They want us to move on. That's really, and that's how you honor them. Because I hate to say this, but, again, it's that other perspective shift. I don't believe that anyone who loses their life, if, you know, and you stop living yours, 
that they wouldn't trade with you in a minute, that they wouldn't rather be here living life. They would. And that's always what kept me going is whenever I catch myself feeling sorry for myself or not doing things or whatever, I remind myself, my niece would love this opportunity. She would oh, love Oh, I, I do that. <laughs> uh-huh. And it, and it wakes you up because you go, this is what it's about. This is, and this is how I honor them. I honor them by loving them because I'll always love them, by missing them, and about living my life to the fullest because that's what's most important because that's what they would have loved to do. And I'm sure that's the lesson they would teach us. I'm sure that's the lesson they would teach us is that time is precious and to enjoy it and live it. You know, the thousands of people I held before we had medications to keep people alive with this virus, I, I never heard anyone say they wish they had more possessions or they wish they had a certain title. It was always they wish they had spent more time with their loved ones and family and that they had gone out and done that list of things that everybody has that yeah. you want to get done before you're gone, and they, they didn't get to all of them. Absolutely. And that's funny that you say that because I do that with this group. When I work with them, we create life lists. And they always say to me, because they always say, oh, the bucket list. And I say, it's not a bucket list. It's a life <laughs> list because this is how you live life. And you don't right. just on right. do it before I die because, unfortunately, you just won't. I mean, right when, when you're on your deathbed, you don't go, okay, time to skydive. You, you, <laughs> you need to be living it. And it's, the list never ends. You know, when you complete your list, you're adding new things. New things come up, but it's not about waiting for the future that it's that whole thing we do that. We'll do we'll do it in the future. But the future never comes and it's not guaranteed for any of us. We only well, have to hear yeah. it now. You gotta do it, it now. Because back when I first found out I had this virus, they said, oh, you won't live six weeks to see your 20th birthday. And so I've kind of lived my whole life that way, going, well, you never know if tomorrow's going to come. If you want to do it, you better go do it now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, this is something I've, you know, I've talked to a lot, you know, working with people who are HIV positive. That's something that eventually we talk about, as I say to them, because they always seem to notice. They said, you know, people aren't living their lives. And I go, you know, and I say, unfortunately, they're not because they, they feel that they're going to live forever. And that when you received that diagnosis, you didn't think that. You, the first time in your life, you didn't think I would live forever. And they said, but again, it's like I just said at the beginning of this call, um, none of us are guaranteed that. You just now have the perspective and learned and now you can live your life differently, which is the way we should have always been living life. That's all. That's the only. That's what the perspective shift is. Is it's changing us to realize we need to be living for the moment. We need to um, be able to do those things because you just don't get those moments back, unfortunately. A, a friend of mine that passed away, unfortunately, many years ago, told me within months of me finding out because he was another one of the first people. He said, life is not a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. He said, get out there and live life and worry about the rest later. So stay in the moment and, and move forward in your life. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I just always on Facebook, I, I because people send me quotes because they know I like quotes. And so mm-hmm. someone just sent me this one quote and I thought it was so, and I posted it. Was, um, it was from Lucille Ball. And she said, I'd rather regret what I've done and regret what I didn't do. And I think mm. that's another one of those, those things that remind you what life is about. 
is it's the truth. You don't usually regret what you do. You learn lessons from it. It's experience right. for you to grow. What you always regret, regret is what you always, the opportunities you missed and the things you didn't do. And so I think there's, you know, that's something we just, there's so many different things. Like there's so many great sayings out there that if we just looked at them every day, it would help us to remember to keep a living life, you know. That's, you know, the biggest You're exactly yeah, you're exactly correct. I, one, one of the workshops I give is, is no apologies, no regrets. And, and you're right. You only regret the things you never took the time to take care of or go do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I, I named it, when I first started blogging on my site, I named it Living Life Out Loud. And people said, you know, why do you call it that? And I said, that's what it is, is that we have all these dreams and these thoughts and we have our own voice inside of our head. And the difference is they're there, but we don't listen to it. It just lives there. We always, one day it'll be better, one day. It's always in our minds, and that's not what it's about. It's about living life out loud. You've got to do it out loud where everybody sees that you're no longer just thinking about it. You're no longer ignoring it. You're no longer regretting it. You're actually doing it for everyone to see, and um, you're making it happen. And like, it makes a big difference, you know, and the, your life is different, and you, you really enjoy the things that you, you're doing. So you're living your you're living your passion. Absolutely, you're living your authentic life. Is how I like to describe it. Is you're being true to yourself for the very first time. You're being selfish, which people always think is a bad thing, but it's not. It means that you're you're putting yourself first. You know, it's that same adage: when the plane's going down, you put the mask on yourself first before you help others. And <laughs> we're, not, we're living we're living for everyone else, but for ourselves. You put yourself first. And then you're able to help people. And it's not about being selfish. It's just about the fact, it's not the negative selfish. It's the good selfish. You need to take care of yourself. You know, you take right. care of yourself. You do the thing you need to do, and then you, everything else works out. You know, there is a give and take and a generosity that can be there when your needs are met. And, you're, you know, you don't want for things, and you're not regretting. So that's really, what, you know, what we're looking at. And I love the quote that you um that you had at the end of the, the bio that you sent me, and it says, life is not about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. And I think yeah. that's awesome. Yep. That's another one I love. Fred just sent me another shirt, another quote for everyone write these quotes down. What <laughs> 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 Fred just sent me was, um, it was from Oscar Wilde, I think, just said, be yourself because everyone else is taken. And I thought that was <laughs> cute too. Just, we don't think about those things. But right. that was a quote when I really started life coaching. Um, a coach I was working with at the time um, said to me, Michael, you know, we were talking about, you know, me doing coaching and the things I was setting up. And she said, I found this quote, and she says, I think it's just, it's totally you. And then that's what she sent me, was that whole thing, living, you know, life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Because that's what happens. We spend our life, you know, chasing our dreams or chasing or trying to find out who we are. But that's it, always the time. It's really about you create yourself. You do it now. You make it happen. You don't have to find it. You create it, and that's what you do. And then that way you live your life, and you're making things happen. That's so funny. I call myself a quote queen anyway. I'm a big fan of there. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, quotes too, and one of the ones that I use in my emails when I send out to people are. Um, that uh, we are of the belief that friendship is born the moment when one person says to another, what you too, 
I thought I was the only one. And that's kind of a quote that we use throughout, um, you know, the website and stuff. But we're winding down to the last five minutes, Michael. Um, People can reach you at your website, right, at Michael, and there's a dash in between you, your last name, right? Yeah. So it's Michael Dash Moniz, and it's M-O, Moniz, sorry, (laughs) I did it again, M-O-N-I-Z, right? Yes. Dot com. And you'll know... And you'll notice when you go there, I mean, it's, it's a very simple site because it's just, it's me. And you'll see that there's a blog where I share a lot of information. But I also share stuff about myself because I'm an open book. And, you know, I want my clients to be open with me, so I have to be open. And so you see that, you know, as a life coach, it doesn't mean I'm perfect at life. I'm not. I'm just like all the rest of us going through the journey. But I go through the journey. And I'm, I'm, t- and I'm making things happen and I'm creating action and that's what coaching does for you. It helps you just to get some of that focus and get you moving forward where you need to be. And if people want to contact you, they can do it directly through the website if they would be interested in having you coach them? Absolutely. You'll see that there's easy contact information to reach me, and you're welcome to, to touch base with me anytime. Sounds good. Well, Michael, thanks for joining us tonight. Yes, no, thank, thank you, Michael. You. No, thank you both for having me. I really greatly appreciate it being here. It was wonderful. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Thank you. Good night, Michael. And make sure you go to uh, Michael's website, and I'm going to put it in the chat room again, and uh, check out his blog. Subscribe to it. He has really cool uh, blog posts that come, and he does it often, too. He doesn't blog just like today and tomorrow. Like He does it uh, almost on a routine daily basis, I see, or every two days. So he does it somewhat you know, on a daily basis, so you'll always get something new, and you can subscribe to it, and they send you emails. So go check that out. Um, and I, I'm actually interested in getting coached, so um, obviously if I do, I will go to Michael. <laughs> have you ever there been coached before, Dad? Yes, I have, and and I was really impressed when I when I read he was 30 years old, and and I'd read some of his blog postings. Um, I, I was touched by his passion, but I'm even more um, after speaking with him tonight. I'm even he's got such a great take on how to get people to the next step, that anyone that's interested in coaching, I, I would, even though I've never personally using it, I would definitely recommend him. I, I was definitely impressed. Hey, you guys are both in Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up in Jacksonville, and he's down in Orlando, about two and a half hours away. Very cool, very cool. So um, we have about two minutes left. I just want to remind people that um, – Starting October, Pazayan Radio will only be on once a week, and it will only be on Sunday evenings at 9 o'clock. So this is our regular time from October 1st on. And you're going to have all three hosts at the same time. You're going to have me, you're going to have Jeremy, and you're going to have Jack McEnroth. So uh, we're going to change the show up a little bit and make it a little bit more interesting and just do it once a week. Um, I want to remind people that this Wednesday coming up, uh, September 23rd, we're going to have John Rutherford on from Colt Studios, and he's going to talk about HIV and AIDS in the adult film industry and what they do to protect their models and what the rules are and all different things of that nature. And then Sunday we're going to have Brian Benningson, who is an HIV-positive poet, come on and share some of his poetry and uh, his inspirational story. Dad, thanks a lot for hanging out with me again. Oh, thank you, Robert. It's always great spending time with you. I'm I'm, um, so impressed with what you're doing and, and making such a difference in our community. Oh, Dad, thanks a lot. I couldn't do it without you leading the way, man. If you didn't pave the way for us here, we wouldn't be here. (laughs) Well, you know, somebody had to pull that wagon train. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my. So you guys can find more information out about DAB at dabtheagebearproject.com. And you can find out more information about me and join the PauseIM community at PauseIM.com. And we'll put those links into the chat room for you. And Michael, you can visit him at Michael-M-O-N-I-Z.com. And I will that also in the chat room for you all. And thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you when. Dad, have a great night. You too. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Y'all have a great week. And big bear hugs to everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.